Welcome to This Week in California Education, produced by EdSource Radio, where we talk about the latest developments in California education. I'm Lewis Friedberg, Executive Director of EdSource, with John Fenstewald, Editor-at-Large at EdSource. Welcome, John. Pleasure to be here, Lewis. Well, this week, John, we're going to be talking with you about the ongoing efforts in California to extend the length of time it takes teachers to get tenure. We're also going to be looking at how school districts are trying to reduce superintendent turnover, an ongoing problem in many districts. And we're also going to be looking at how school districts are implementing a new state law to prevent teen suicides, which is also a problem that quite a number of school districts in California have been grappling with. Let's start with a teacher tenure bill that's creeping its way through the legislature. Is that Shirley Weber's it is. bill? Yes, Shirley Weber. She's uh, from? San Diego. San Diego. A Democrat from San Diego, a actual former member of a San Diego school board. And she is uh, the author of Assembly Bill 1220, along with two foundation-backed teacher organizations, Teach Plus and Educators for Excellence in Los Angeles. The issue's been around for quite a while. Almost every year, the last three or four years, has been an effort to extend California's probationary period for teachers, which is among the shortest in the nation. And that is after two years, you get what they call permanent status? That's right. Shorthand is tenure. But during those two years, you can dismiss those teachers for any reason at all. That's correct, at-will employees. And it's actually, although it's two years under the law, it turns out to be 18 months because you need to notify the teachers the second year by March. So it's really 18 months. And the argument has been that's too short a period of time in which to decide whether a teacher is really going to be long-term someone you want in the classroom. So, John, what actually did this bill say? The original version that uh, Shirley Weber authored, said that tenure would be extended to three years minimum for all teachers. And in those cases in which they're really still uncertain after three years, because maybe a teacher changed schools or changed subjects, you started teaching kindergarten, a second, third year, you ended teaching sixth grade. So that's a big change. So when schools were uncertain, you could extend probation to a fourth year and, and maybe even a fifth year, but those teachers had to be given a plan for improvement, and substantial resources to improve. Well, that's quite a big change. To, it, to, it in would certain circumstances, been. from two years to Possibly. four or five years. Yeah, I think the understanding, probably in most cases, not that long, but it would have allowed for that. Okay, so it went through the Assembly Education Committee, got through. That's and, right. And then it went to the Appropriations Committee or the full Assembly? That's right, Appropriations first. And a funny thing happens often in Appropriations. Bills don't end up the way they started. And out of appropriations, it was scaled back significantly. So now it's basically the probationary period would still be two years, but there would be possibility of a third year in those cases in which a, a principal or evaluator is uncertain whether that teacher is ready for the classroom. So it would be a third year of probation in some instances. And then did it go to the assembly? It did. And what surprised, I think, given the past history of the past four or five years, it passed 60 to five. Overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly. That's amazing because the teachers, the CTA, California Teachers Association, is opposed to the bill. Yes. Even in its current form. Yes. The CTA is consistently opposed anything like this. It wants to continue with the current system or it wants something in return. So what's the next step then for this bill? Well, the next step is to the Senate, but 
but Shirley Weber and the uh, sponsoring groups have to decide, well, should they then try in the Senate to restore some of the clauses that were taken out by the Appropriation Committee, strengthen the bill again, try to get the Senate to approve a stronger bill, then go back to the House and say, hey, Let's go with a stronger bill. The, they strong, have to, the, the stronger bill meaning even more years. To, yeah, three to, years for every teacher, and then fourth and fifth year possible. Actually, it seems like this would benefit both sides. A school district might not be sure after a couple of years if this teacher, they really want to keep the teacher or not. So in some cases, they might let the teacher go before they've really given the teacher a chance yes. to improve. That's what Shirley Weber has said all along is that potentially good teachers have been dismissed because they didn't have this opportunity. However, the CTA says, no, what would happen would be districts would continue to use this, turn it into a four or five year probationary period to save money because probationary teachers earn less. Well, this seems like a big deal, that it actually made it through the assembly despite the opposition of the CTA. Yes. And it is so this would suggest that this actually has a, has a chance. I would think in the, so. In the Senate. 42 states have three to five year probation. So California really is an outlier on this issue. Okay. Well, John, keep us posted. I will. Yeah, Lewis, we've been talking about extending probationary period for teachers to three years. Uh, Districts have another problem. They'd be happy to have superintendents to stay three years or longer. And I know this is an issue you've been looking into length of time. And the latest change is in Oakland, where former leader uh, Antoine Wilson left to become superintendent in Washington, D.C. after just two and a half years on the job. And recently, they recently found a replacement, Kyla Johnson Trammell, a longtime Oakland educator. Lewis, you wrote a story about what districts are doing to reduce the uh, superintendent turnover. What, what, What did you find? We did a survey of the 30 largest districts in the state, and about 12 superintendents of the 30 have just been appointed in the last two years. And of those, only three were from outside the district. So nine out of the 12 superintendents were insiders in some fashion or another. Like Kyla Johnson Trammell, she actually was born and raised in Oakland, third generation, went to school in Oakland. She actually didn't go to high school in Oakland. She got a scholarship to a private school. And then she came back as a teacher, principal, assistant superintendent, spent her whole career in Oakland and now has been appointed superintendent, will be taking over in July. Same thing in San Francisco. Vince Matthews took over in San Francisco May 1st, born and raised in San Francisco, taught in San Francisco early in his career, and has now come back to the district. Michelle King from Los Angeles Unified, born and raised in Los Angeles, went to school there, entire career in the district, and was appointed superintendent there. So there really is a a, a a different philosophy, I suppose. Districts often turn to reformers from the outside, and really this reflects a different approach of turning to someone from the inside. What are the advantages of that? In our survey of 30 districts, 20 out of the 30 superintendents have been in their positions three years or less. They've been appointed just in the last three years. So one of the challenges districts face is slowing down this revolving door. And the view is that if you have roots in the community, you are more likely to stay. 
if you're born there and you probably have family members, you've probably owned a house there, that's where your relationships, relatives, friends, and so on. If you've worked in the district, you've also have formed uh, roots in the community. Also, if you become superintendent with that kind of background, there's probably going to be fewer surprises. You're not going to be like, oh, I didn't know about this budget deficit. You also are more likely to know the personalities. Who are the real talented people? Who are the people who probably need to be moved out? So there are a lot of advantages, some disadvantages. What are those? If you're an insider and you know people, you've been working with people, you just know it's more difficult to have people leave. Also, um, there are some advantages to having an outsider who comes in with fresh ideas, fresh perspectives. They can see how things were done elsewhere. Less likely, uh, on the whole, if, you, if you've been in one district, to have that kind of fresh perspective. That's not to say it's, it's not going to happen or you won't bring new ideas, but just by the nature of being in one place for a long time, uh, that you won't, the district won't benefit from that. Both Oakland and Los Angeles are facing significant financial uh, burdens, and I would imagine that both superintendents may be in a better position to reach a consensus. We'll see, I guess. Yeah. Now, we talked with Kyla Johnson-Tramell, and uh, this is what she had to say about the advantage of being an insider. I believe part of the call from the community is, you know, we have to know, you have to understand Oakland, the ecosystem, some of the challenges, um, so that you can kind of know how to move the work forward. I don't think it necessarily means if you're external that you can't do that, but um, it just creates more more challenges. So she's about to start her new job. Any sense of how committed she is to staying long-term in Oakland? Well, you ask a good question. I mean, just because you were we're born and raised in a place and know it very well. doesn't mean you're going to stay there forever. And actually, Kyle johnson Tramell, the new superintendent, incoming superintendent in Oakland, is only 41 years old. So you can't imagine she's going to be here for the rest of her career. But we asked her, actually, how committed is she to Oakland? I have no aspirations at this point of being a superintendent kind of all over the nation. Um, I have children. They're going to be going to school in Oakland. Um, in some sense, you know, my career has just been a series of opportunities that have presented themselves to me um, and not necessarily me going after and making kind of a timeline, if you will, for that position. So I'm committed to doing the best job that I can in this role, I think the amount of time that I've been in the district is a solid sign that I'm not necessarily chasing the next opportunity. Because I've had other opportunities. It's not as if I've, I've been here. I've had opportunities to work in several other districts as a teacher, as a principal. I've interviewed for some. I've gotten positions and, and turned them down when I really realized, okay, you know, I really do like working in the city that I'm living. So, you know, no one can ever predict the future exactly, but I feel like a lot of, of, of my professional history suggests that it's something that I, I want to commit to and see it through. That was Kyla Johnson Tramell, the new incoming superintendent in Oakland, who's going to start around July 1st. And by the way, she's officially still a finalist, but 
she's the only finalist. And so I don't think there's any question that she will be the next superintendent in Oakland. Shifting gears, we are now going to be talking with EdSource reporter Jane Adams. Welcome, Jane. Jane, you wrote a story about Clovis Unified School District in the Central Valley that has been grappling with a serious issue, tragic issue, really. They've had a cluster of suicides there. And um, they are foreshadowing what a lot of school districts in California will have to deal with under a new law that goes into effect in July. Jane, what did you find in Clovis? It's been a terrible year for the district. It's in this school year, they have lost four high school boys to suicide. And that's a huge number. Three from one high school, Clovis West High School, and a fourth from Clovis High School. Terrible, terrible. Was there anything in common with these the with school these district suicides? Was, the school district was clear on saying that there was no bullying that they have been able to identify. Other than that, they weren't really at liberty to discuss what was going on. One student's parent was very clear that this student had had serious mental health issues. Now, there is a new state law, relatively new state law, that requires school districts to do what? It's called AB 2246, and it requires school districts to create a suicide prevention policy for students in grades 7 through 12. The California Department of Education has put out a model policy that's quite comprehensive. It has a sharp focus on mental health services. And so it has a universal approach about training all teenagers in how to talk about stress, how to talk about depression. Those seem to be the underlying factors in suicide, not so much stress as anxiety. Stress is more like a trigger, but the underlying issues are mental health. So it addresses that. It also helps schools establish a protocol for what to do if a student takes his or her life. In terms of helping other students cope with uh, that Helping with other students. Like it, that. Uh, one of the principals talked about the, what he calls the empty seat problem, which is, of course, after a student kills himself, there is an empty seat in that classroom, which is horrible. And in one classroom, the principal from Clovis West said there were two empty seats. So then it's a question of how do students want to address that and in... One classroom, the students decided they wanted to rearrange the desks, and they created circles, and they were actually closer together than the previous arrangement. So every school district has to have a plan now? Is that actually in place, a suicide it's prevention effective. plan of yes, some kind? Yes, suicide prevention plan, and it goes into effect uh, July 1st. So school districts have to have that in place by the start of the 2017-18 school year. Well, tell us about Clovis then. Did they have a plan in place? Because they the law is actually only going to go into effect in a few weeks. Right. The laws accelerated what they were already doing. Uh, obviously, they had a crisis this year, and they have gone beyond what the law has suggested. So they, the principal at Clovis West has surveyed all of his freshman students, what kind of stresses they find, what's going on. And they said the number one stress was family life. And the number two was anxiety about the future. And that included financial stress. 
So he's getting into that, trying to look at the root causes and provide support for kids, however casually or however intensely it's needed. Now, they have peer counselors at the at the high schools, at middle schools? or At the high schools, they have peer counselors. They've been in place for a while, and now they're getting suicide prevention training. So I was able to talk to a group of four peer counselors at Clovis East High School, and they talk quite candidly about the pressure they feel not to explain what they're feeling or not to share what they're feeling, particularly the two boys. One boy said it's a mask that boys wear, and you can't be weak, you can't talk about your feelings, you can't cry. And it was quite powerful that they wanted to change that. Well, Jane, I think we have a clip from Zachary Pardy, who's a 16-year-old sophomore at Clovis East High. Yes. A lot of guys think, like, I can't let my friends know that, like, I'm going through this. Like, I don't want them to know that I'm going through this pain. That was uh, Zachary Pardy, who's a sophomore, a peer counselor at uh, Clovis East High School. To what extent did you get any sense that academic pressures played into these uh, suicides? All of the students I spoke with mentioned academic pressure, particularly in the light of wanting to get into college, wanting to secure a financial future. One student I spoke with also mentioned the pressure on a sports team. Sports are very big at Clovis Unified, as they are at many districts. And he felt that there was no room for making a mistake on the water polo team. Well, that's that's tough stuff. You mentioned this this suicide prevention plan at CDE, California Department of Education, as a model plan. Is that up on their website? Can- it's up on their website. We have a link to it in our story about the suicides. And it's been widely praised by people in the mental health field. So, Jane, if there is a silver lining to this very difficult, tragic landscape. Teen suicide is relatively rare in California. Is that is that correct? That's right. It's relatively rare nationally. What is not rare, unfortunately, are teens who feel despondent, despair, depressed for so long that they stop doing their usual activities. So that's the area that schools are trying to beef up to give these kids support. Okay. Well, please keep us posted on how this law gets implemented and what impact that might have. Jane, while we have you, you covered another story this week. The California Department of Education released a new app, which I think people may find quite interesting. Tell us about it. Their first ever venture into app world, and it's called CA Schools, available for download at the iTunes Store or the Google Play. It is a link to all kinds of data about schools in California. In theory, somebody who really wanted to get into the local control funding formula for a district could find enough links through this app to get there. I think Superintendent of Public Instruction Tom Torlakson mentioned it's also very handy for people who are house hunting, who want to know what the schools are like in their neighborhood. You can put in a zip code or an area and it maps out what schools are there. Also handy for finding directions if you're taking your child to an away baseball game. You can find out where that field is. Kind of useful. Where do you get this? You can get it online. It's free. It's downloadable. You can get it. There's a link in our story on EdSource to the CDE, the California Department of Education website, and at iTunes or Google Play. Good. Thanks, Jane. I'll do it tonight. 
John, we've run out of time, and that wraps it up for this week. I'm Lewis Friedberg with John Fensterwald. For more on these and other stories, please go to our website at edsource.org. Thanks for listening and see you next week. 